sitting here not because my perf my journey has been perfect, because when I tell you I've had some bumps in the road. Not only have I had some bumps in the road, we've had some bumps in the road. I started out as a teen mama, 19 years old. I had no clue how to take care of this baby. All I knew was that God told me not to get rid of him. I trusted him with her. I was married, I mean, I was pregnant by a married man. Her father was married when I got pregnant with her. So that left me having to take care of her by myself. So to see me and what God has done in my life here at this moment with my daughter who I was pregnant with as a teenager by a married man. And now not only am I saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, she saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I got so much joy in my heart in this moment right now, and we're just going to share a little bit of our journey with you. Amen. We've had a, some awesome preaching this weekend. We've had some awesome teaching. We've had some awesome worship and prophecy. But can I tell you something? Anytime you leave, like Yafrika said, she was filled and, and she was encouraged, and Jamie said she was ready to work and move on, you're going to be tried by every word you receive this week. You're going to be tried by the fire, by everything you feel right now. The enemy ain't going to let you just get away with feeling good and knowing that you can run on. So we're going to try to give you some tools to help you run on a little while longer. Amen. Because when you leave this building, I just want you to know the journey continues. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Amen. So when my mom uh, sprung it on me this week that we was preaching together. <laughs> this week. This week. She Be you said, ready. She said she knew a couple months ago. Yeah, I'm still tripping on that a little bit because she didn't tell me a couple months ago. Because I ain't want you stressing. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I told you sooner, you would have stressed a longer period of time. I'd rather you just stress for a few days than to stress for a couple months. And that's how your pastor, your daddy, he does us. Uh-huh. He'll just put it on you like, Jamie, you ministering this Thursday. That's a fact. But, but Jeff, I mean, we was at Aisha's wedding, and he was planning to preach the next day. And I kept telling him, you cannot preach tomorrow. We got too many people in our house. We is woe out tired. We is married our daughter. Tomorrow. You don't need, he, pre he asked Jeff at the wedding, can you preach tomorrow? <laughs> Tickled. Praise Amen. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, so so when she started preparing me for this this assignment, this ministry assignment, I started asking the Lord, like, what is the journey, right? What what do I think about when I think about the journey? And I thought about specifically a conversation for healing. I thought about hope and love and joy and peace and forgiveness and I thought about reflection because that's what the journey is about it's it's fitting that our conference the journey was in the month of December because typically the month of December is the end of both the fiscal and the natural year and so it's a reckoning of sorts where you, you put everything together and you say, okay, what, what, what happened this year? What did I do this year? What do I need to do better next year? That's where the New Year's resolutions that we only keep till January 13th come in. <laughs> and so I started thinking about the journey. And the Lord told me, Aisha, the journey is your testimony. Because we do overcome by the blood of the lamb, and by the word of our testimony. So today, through this whole conversation, what we want more than anything is for you to come to terms with your story. It's like my daddy's favorite movie back there, The Lion King. <laughs> he liked Mufasa. I like Rafiki. Okay. Uh, we monkey people. My mama want a pet monkey for anybody that don't know. I'm going to Africa one day with the lady just so I can hold me a monkey. Uh-huh. 
I'm going to go minister too, you know, and, and, and sow seeds, but I want to hold me a monkey. That's it. And so when I was preparing for this message, all I could hear is Rafiki in my head. The past is the past. You can't change the past. You can either run from it or you can learn and grow from it. So I want to know, what did you think about when you thought about the journey? Well, let me say something about that statement you just made about the past is the past. You can run from it or learn from it. I tell people all the time that you can either overcome the circumstances of your past or you can succumb to them, meaning giving in to them. Like you can give in to the fact that you were molested and you could just give up on life and just feel like you'll never be anybody, you'll never be worth anything. Your parents could have adopted, given you away for adoption and you could feel like nobody ever loves me for the rest of my life. Or you can take those situations that life has thrown you because I want to tell you something, you can win with the hand that God dealt you. You can win with the hand that God dealt you. I preached a message a long time ago at Lady Founds Church about we, uh, we all in, and, we were, and I was preaching about a hand that life deals you. And I'm a card player. Y'all know I slapped that card on my forehead. I am the queen of spades, if y'all don't know. If y'all are new to EMCC, yes. I play cards. Okay. We have game nights, and I play cards, and I don't think I'm going to hell because I play cards. Praise them. And she's going to beat you and talk noise the whole and time, And I, I ain't going to say no cuss words, but I am going to talk noise, and I am going to win. I sit down, and I do not get up. And so that's how life is. It's like a hand of cards. And even if I got a bad hand, you ain't going to know it. I'm going to talk noise. I'm a bluff. Y'all know what bluffing is when somebody, I'm a bluff. I'm going to talk noise. I mean, you know, I'm a, as they say, fake it till you make it. They say you shouldn't do that, but I might have to fake it till I make it sometime. Amen. And so when I think about the journey or what I think about when I was designing the cover of my book, The Road and the Streetways, and it has all the signs on it. And on those signs are different places and journeys that I've experienced in life. So for me, the journey is like a road filled with hardships, and celebrations, successes and failures, heartache and joy. It's filled with decisions. And guess what? Sometimes you're going to make the wrong decision. The path is going to have some bumps, some potholes. It's not going to always be smooth sailing. We will have some mountaintop and some valley low experiences. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, and I love this quote, life is a journey, not a destination. See, we think that it's a destination and we're going to come to a place in life where we've arrived, where we got all things together, where everything is going to be perfect. Somebody lied to us. I don't know if people lied to us when we got saved and told us when we get saved that all our problems and all our troubles are going to go away. I don't know if they lied or if we just really wanted to believe that. And I think sometimes we just really want to believe that. And sometimes we come to God for the wrong reasons because we come to him hoping that all of our problems and troubles are going to go away. But the Bible declares many are the afflictions of the righteous, but there's a but in it. The word but erases what you said before. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you can erase all that. The Lord delivers us out of them all. So no matter what life throws at me, no matter what trial, no matter what tribulation, God is going to deliver me from it. He's never going to put more on me than I'm able to bear. He always makes a way of escape. When you walk out this door today, you're going to be encouraged. But I came to tell you that the enemy is going to fight the seeds that were planted today. He's going to fight your mind. He's going to fight your faith. And you got to choose faith over fear today and every day. Everybody has a different journey. They have a different story to tell. We all have experienced some hardships, but one thing I know for sure, the word of God will help you get through some of the toughest times in your life. The problem is we don't go to the word of God when we're going through. 
We hibernate. We isolate. We just stop getting around the saints and stop going to church and try to do it on our, on our own. And God never intended for you to do life on your own. You need your brothers and you need your sisters. You, need, you don't need silver and gold, but you need your brothers and you need your sisters. You need your pastor and you need your first lady and they never too busy. The devil will tell you they too busy for me. The devil is absolutely a lie. If you need us, we are here. But we ain't mind readers and we ain't psychics. Amen. And so the word of God will help you to get through some of the toughest times in your life. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. What's that mean, Aisha? Hearing. Continually hearing. Continually hearing. Yeah. It, it, you can't go back off a word you heard 10 years ago. Yeah. You trying to live off a word you chewed on 10 years ago. You need a fresh word. Mm -hmm. You need a rhema word. Hearing by the word of God. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The word of God will guide the way for you. Faith and fear cannot both operate your mind at the same time. It's like the flesh and the spirit. What they do, Aisha? They war against each other. They war against each other. Now, when you was in high school, mm. <laughs> she wanted to go natural. I'm going to make it plain for y'all ladies. And y'all men, y'all might understand too, especially if you have wives that went through this. But we went natural together when she was in high school. And you know, we tried not to go through the ugly phase and get the little teeny weeny afro. So what we tried to do was, we tried to gradually Transition. go natural. Yeah. Transition. Yeah. So what's that hair like when you got some permed hair and you got some natural hair? You can't get a comb through it. You can't get a comb through it. It's like the flesh and the spirit. Is warring against each other. It's like faith and fear. They war against each other. And so we got so tired of that tangly hair. What we did? We did the big chop. The big chop. The Sunday before my graduation. The Sunday before her graduation, we did the big chop. Because you have all them little strangly spirals. So you can't wear it natural when you're going natural. You can't wear it natural. You got to wear braids and wigs and stuff because that stuff, it just ain't right. You just going to have to go and do the big chop. Well, I come to tell you today that you got to do the big chop. Faith and fear can't both operate your mind. Amen. So I came to tell you today that you're going to have to chop fear off. <laughs> chop it off like you had to chop off that natural hair. Chop it off. We got to cut our flesh off in order for the spirit to reign. Our flesh has to decrease in order for the spirit to increase. You got to chop it off. Well, today I want you to leave here and anytime fear tries to, to rule your mind, I want you to chop it off. When first lady asks you to pray and fear grip your mind, I want you to say, fear you a lie, chop it off. That person know who I'm talking about. They back there laughing. I ain't going to put them on blast. I had somebody on the program pray. Don't be trying to see who prayed Friday, who prayed Saturday morning, who prayed Saturday evening. I had somebody on the program to pray. Elder Yafrika texted me and she said, Sister so-and-so can't pray. I said, why she can't pray? She ain't going to be here. She said, well, she didn't tell me why she couldn't pray. She just said, she can't pray. I know it's fear. I said to her yesterday, I said, uh, so they told me you said you couldn't pray. Is, is you going to be here? She said, yes, ma'am, but I, I, she was giving me all these, she was trying to get them excuses. You know how your children be trying to tell you? My children, cha uh, Charity, when she used to be getting ready to get a whooping, what she used to say? Let me explain. <laughs> Listen, but I, it's some truth to that because my parents was the whoop first, ask questions later. But Charity would be hollering like, let me explain, let me explain. And so, I understand where she was coming from. So she was trying to explain, and I told Elder Yafka, I said, come here. I said, she going to pray. I didn't even want to hear her explanation and told the house down. It's fear. And fear tries to grip 
all of our minds at some point in our lives. I don't care whether it's raising your children. I don't care if you got a sickness that the doctor said you had. I don't care if you ain't got no money in the bank and it's a bill due. Fear is going to always try to come. But I came to tell you that fear and faith cannot both operate your mind at the same time. You're going to have to chop it off. Can you tell them chop it off? It's just a new age. You need to cut it. Oh, cut it? Yeah. So I don't know all these new terms. That's why I need her up here with me. You know, Listen, I still... that might not be relevant no more either because I'm getting old. Okay, well, what's the new word? Well, then it's still cut it. Y'all ain't got nothing new for us. It is what it is. God didn't give us the spirit of fear. And he said in his word that without faith, it's impossible to please him. If you look at the logo from the conference, it was showing how the more faith you have as your faith increases, fear begins to decrease. And that's what you need to do. That means you need to get in your word. Amen. 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 Go ahead. So I can think of a time when um, fear gripped my heart and I didn't even know that it was fear, y'all. I was in high school. <clears throat> I'm delivered. <laughs> but I was in high school, and I worked really hard all of high school. I mean, I even got my parents, convinced my parents to let me quit strings. Because they had bought that instrument, and they weren't going to let me quit. Mm -hmm. So I had, <laughs> charity back there clapping. I had convinced my parents to let me quit strings so I could just focus on academics, right? I wanted to be the first black valedictorian of my school. Black female valedictorian. Somebody told me it was a male back in the day. First black female valedictorian of my school. And I get to the end of my journey at that stage. I was the salutatorian, but not because I was supposed to be. It was because it was cheated. I was cheated out of that position. Like, Every year since then, I still be, I be paying attention now. Y'all ain't, ain't finna pull the wool over my eyes. Every year since then and before then, they would announce the GPA of the valedictorian and salutatorian. That year they didn't announce it. I had, Lord forgive me, I had stole the girl's transcript. And her mathematical mama had calculated her GPA. So we knew my GPA was higher and that they were waiting some of her classes that they shouldn't have been waiting, like assigning weight to, because she had came, and it, a long story. Mm -hmm. But to make a long story short, I was the salutatorian, right? She was my valedictorian. Can I just tell my mama, that don't make you feel better? <laughs> it just made me more mad. I knew I was supposed to be the valedictorian, like ready to set it off in there. You know oh, what I'm saying? I mean, I was about to set it off. I was the first lady, y'all. Let me tell y'all a funny story real quick. Two stories. Well, I had to switch schools. The first story is, is this boy liking Aisha when she was in school, and he was too old. And so I went up to his classroom because I was a teacher there, and I knocked on the door. And I asked the teacher, could I see the boy? And the boy came out in the hallway. Y'all know, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm a little ghetto. <laughs> and so I told the boy, I said, do you know who I am? And he said, yeah, you Miss McGee. I said, no, baby, today I ain't Miss McGee. I'm Aisha Mama. <laughs> and I threatened that boy for his life. Let me tell y'all the real story. <laughs> so we didn't even like each other. He just happened to be in my Spanish class. And you know, like somebody had sent me a picture of him sleep and I was like, oh, I'm gonna tell him I got blackmail on him. Didn't like the boy, but my mama beat me within an inch of my life and told me I was lying. So I finally said I liked him. <laughs> like, can you stop whooping me please? So then when I said I don't like him, I got whooped some more. Because <laughs> she was like, I knew you was lying. What answer do you want? <laughs> so my mother goes up there and tells him, 
that she finna charge this man with statutory rape. <laughs> I have never even hugged a boy before. <laughs> so it made me like him after, cause I felt so bad. I felt so bad. I'ma tell you, I told y'all we done had some bumps on the road. I was that hard mama. But you know what, can I say something? Sometimes we're hard on our children and sometimes we are too hard, but I was hard because I didn't want her to be me. When your journey and your testimony is so rough and so rocky, and you're so ashamed of some of the things that you've done in your past, the only thing you wanna do is protect your children. So if I had to beat the parts of her out of the parts of me that was in her that wasn't good, cause see my blood when I wasn't saved was still in her. Although I was putting the word on her and living it and we was in the church, she still had that blood in her. So I was trying to beat that peeing blood <laughs> out of her. It worked. <laughs> so I, I said all that to say, when, when I got to college, I, I really almost gave up. I had succumbed to that part of my journey. And I stopped believing that if I did my part, God would do his part. I felt like I would always be cheated. I felt like no matter how hard I tried, it wasn't gonna be worth it, no way. And so I get to college, and y'all, I, I used to cry if I made a B. And I'm in college like, C's get degrees. <laughs> Until I want, decided I wanted to go to grad school, and I'm like, dang, I should have tried a little bit harder. So I, I had to come to terms with the fact that I was in fear that I would always be cheated, and if I'm honest, I was in fear that my skin color was inferiority. Because I, I believed that they would always do something to put their people ahead of me. And it wasn't until I got in grad school that I had to, I didn't even know I was holding nothing against the principal. Because let me tell you, my parents, they did fight for me. Oh yeah. They fought for me. Took that transcript in there that I had stole. <laughs> With the GPA calculated and everything. I'm like, my mama trying to get me sent to jail. I'm stealing records. <laughs> she wasn't going to tell him how she got it, though. <laughs> Took it in there. And the principal threatened to change my GPA. He threatened to put a zero on my transcript because... Before the semester started, I had dropped an AP course. But the thing was, I dropped it to pick up a different AP course. I just, I took AP Chem instead of AP Cal 2, right? But if you hadn't dropped it by May, they were technically supposed to put a zero on your transcript. So my parents fought for me, but in that moment, all I could see was the wrong that had been done to me on my journey. And so, yeah, so I think we had the same point. Mm -hmm. So when I started asking the Lord about your testimony, he told me, Aisha, people are in one of five stages in their testimony. Number one, denial. You're pretending that it never happened that your story doesn't exist. I've been there. Anybody else ever been there where you just pretend like it never happened? You know, how they say sweep it under the rug. But do you know that the longer you sweep stuff under the rug, eventually the rug gonna be lumpy and you're gonna trip over it? You have to deal with things. You have to be healed. You have to be whole. You gotta get some help if you need some help. You can't just keep sweeping stuff under the rug. Right, because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, if you don't tell that part of your testimony, you're in denial that it happened. You have to be willing to share your story because somebody needs it. 
Amen. Number two, anger. The second stage is anger. Bitterness, resentment, sorrow, a mask for the other emotions and pains that you carry. Anger was me. It was me. It was something that I struggled with. And I didn't realize how bad it was until I was grieving. And I put this at the end of my book, the last few years. We lost seven people that we either were part of this church or had been during COVID for various different reasons. We lost two of our founding members, Minister Evelyn and Deacon John. And when I tell you Deacon John was one of the most faithful people you would ever want to see, that man, he walked 10 miles to church to clean the church and then changed clothes and came in and came to church. I'm like, where your car at? He be like, it's in the shop. How you get here? I walk. Boy, I fussed at him. 70 years old, I could fuss at him. You know, sometimes you rebuke people and you fuss at them and then they get offended. I'm church hurt. They gone. I could fuss at that man like he was a little boy. And he would say, yes, ma'am, you right. He would take it. And we just came out of a study on anger. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you that study, we did it for the whole entire family. And if your family didn't participate, I want to challenge you to go back and get those books and do it. It was absolutely life-changing. It was a game-changer for me. It helped me to see where I was because I was in denial. Mm -hmm. I didn't really think I had a problem with anger. I thought I had kind of overcome it. I didn't really think it. And then when I was grieving, it got worse and worse. And my husband kept telling me, you need some help. Praise the Lord. Oh, he always say that, but I be, he be like, you, I'm going to have to take you down there to get a check if you don't get some help. See, and that's how I know I got good parents, because I ain't think my daddy would say nothing to her. They never showed us their problems in person. They would always handle things behind closed doors. Yeah. So I went and got me some help. And it's been so good. So good. So I knew that, that our family struggled with anger, and I realized it was generational. And at the moment that I realized it was generational, I was in college, I immediately, I mean, I started fasting and praying because I was like, God, I don't want this. I don't want this to be my portion. I don't want to be angry all the time. And it's so good because I, I got a therapist, right? And when I went through therapy, she helped me. And I think it's so important to understand that, that anger is a mask for your other emotions because a lot of people don't know how to express other emotions. You might be disappointed, but you mad. You might be frustrated, but it comes out as anger. You might be hurt or grieving, and it comes out as anger. So it's important to learn where you are and to learn how to express those other emotions. Oh, and I, I said Deacon John and Sister Evelyn, but then we lost Antonio, who was one of my old students. And then we lost Shayla, who was like a part of the family, Mother Bobby's daughter. And I lost Mr. Ben, which was her brother. And Mr. Ben, my husband would say that was my boyfriend. <laughs> Mr. Ben was 70 years old. And... I handled everything for him. I did all his shopping. I bought all his clothes. He called me whenever he needed something. He left me voicemail. I still got voicemails on my phone. I listen to him sometimes with his list of her calling me, lady, I need some snuff. <laughs> or he'll call me and want to know how much on his card because he just liked to hear that he had a balance on his card because I managed his money so well. He had never had an excess of money. He'd call me, he'd be like, how much on my card? I'd be like, $2,800. I got that much. Go buy me a pair of shoes. And then he would give money away for Christmas, things that he always wanted to do he couldn't do. So I, he'd say, go get, go get me uh, $300 in some cards. So I put it in there, and he'd give me a card. He'd give his sister a card, the pastor a card. He'd give us a card for Christmas. He had $50 in it. And then he'd call me on Christmas and say, did you get my card? I said, Mr. Ben, I'm the one that bought the card. <laughs> <laughs> and then we lost... Uh, not, not even granny. I'm just talking about people in the church. Uh, we lost Sister Monique. 
And um, then I lost my grandmother who raised me. She was like my mother. So when I say I was grieving, I was grieving. And it was coming out like anger, like towards everybody. And I didn't even realize it. And then writing the book, it was so hard reliving all of my journey that it was sending me on a whirlwind of emotions. And not only that, I had surgery, so they took half of my women parts out, so my hormones was all out of whack. So I'm grieving, my hormones gone, and then I'm reliving my life story. And I'm talking about I was going through a depression and I was angry and I, I went to the doctor to see my doctor for my yearly checkup and things were good, and he recommended some medicine. Can I be honest? He recommended some medicine for me. And uh, at first I said no, and he walked out the room, and God told me, get the medicine. My husband always goes to the doctor with me. He didn't go that day. He was out of town working on the rental house. And so I said, okay, I'm going to get the medicine. So the doctor comes back in, and I said, give me the medicine. He said, you change your mind? I said, yeah. So then I told Lady Fountain I was getting some medicine. I said, I'm not going to tell my husband. I'm just going to see if it's working. I'm just going to take it. <laughs> and I took the medicine for a couple of days, and the medicine was working. My husband said, you sure been sweet lately. <laughs> take your medicine. Praise the Lord. All right, the third stage that people often get stuck in in their testimony is bargaining, which is just simply you grasping for control. It's you in your mind saying a lot of, what if I had did this? Or what if that hadn't happened? It's if, if only this had happened instead. Like, why did this have to happen to me? So that's the, the third stage. And the fourth stage is depression, and I just talked about that, and overwhelming sorrow for what has happened to you or those around you. And that's where I was. With all the grief, with reliving my past, depression is the fourth one. And then the last stage, and the best stage, is acceptance. It's not just, I'm, oh, I'm happier now, right? Acceptance is knowing that there are more good days than there are bad. It's the understanding that bad seasons might come, and that's okay because it's not, it's not my entire life. It doesn't last forever. So these five stages. And I want to just say something about that acceptance. Y'all know I always like to throw a little song in there. I can't sing. But she said, knowing that the good days outweigh the bad days, it makes me think about that song. I've had some good days. I've had some bad days. I've had some hills to climb. But I asked the question, Lord. You got to hit that note. Why so much pain? But what I know is God's been good to me. Better than this old world could ever be. That's why I say thank you, Lord. Is there anybody else out there who can say thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I won't complain. He dried my tears away. Turned my midnights into days. That's why I'll say, thank you, Lord. I, I won't complain. <laughs> I told y'all, the Lord couldn't give me good hair, a voice, or pretty eyes, because I probably wouldn't be saved today. I'd be somewhere in a club, singing, or stripping, or doing something else. So that's why God couldn't give me no voice. But you know what? It don't matter whether it sounds good to y'all. 
Because it sounds good to him. It sounds good to him. I'm going to just nip that in the bud, and I'm going to tell my mama, you ain't got to sing, but you can sing. <laughs> can somebody tell her she can sing? My husband be telling me I can't sing. But I was the praise team when we first started EMCC. He was the, the keyboard player, and I was the first lady and the praise and worship leader. And me and T.T. Star was on the praise team. Mm-hmm. We was the praise team. And that's how we knew we left Greg Jr. at home that time. <laughs> Y'all, we get to church. Greg Jr. normally rides with my dad. He left him at home. My mama left. We at I church. see him. We at church doing praise and worship. Greg Jr. was in there sleep. No, he was in the bathroom. Oh, he was in the bathroom? Yes. We up there doing praise and worship. And my daddy come around, whispering my mama in. He said, where, where my son? She said, I thought he rode with you. He said, no, I left him at home because he was seriously, I thought he rode with you. So we had to leave, middle of praise and worship, and go get Greg Jr. from the house. And he wasn't there. I got home, and the door was wide open. Lord knows my heart sank. He had went to the neighbor house. <laughs> they probably thought they was bad parents, but it's okay. <laughs> so what I want to tell you is that these five stages are also known as the five stages of grief. There is probably somewhere in your journey, somewhere in your testimony, that you have not yet been healed. You are grieving over what has happened to you. You're grieving over what you lost, and maybe you are grieving over what could have been. That's what the journey is about. We have to have faith that God has a plan and that he works all things. Not some. All things together for our good. Regardless of what happened, the journey, and, and I want to say this, right? Because some people say, well, if, if I start accepting it, then I'm okay with what happened or I'm just settling or but the journey is not settling. It's just getting settled in your spirit. That firm foundation that the Lord places us on so that we can be, my mama's favorite scripture, press down, shaking together, and start getting that running over that you're looking for. Whether it's in your finances, your mental health, whatever that is that you're looking for, that is what God has for us when we get that firm foundation, when we get that settling in our spirit that this is my story. No, it's not been all good, but I still give glory to God because he brought me through it. Amen. And he does. He works all things together for our good. Amen. So it makes me think about the three Hebrew boys because they didn't have a pretty story. I mean, they was thrown into a fiery furnace. We complain when it's hot outside. And we can go inside under the air. We can get in our car in the air. Like, that's where their bodies was at. In a fiery furnace. But God came through for them. And I just want to say something about that. Because if you've ever read the story of the three Hebrew boys, they could have given up on God a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Their entire nation was sold into slavery. So in order for them to believe God again, they had to get settled in their spirit that this is my journey. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look pretty. It's not all good. But I know that God has a plan for me. Mm -hmm. So they looked in that man's face and they said, whether we die today or not we know that we serve a god that can do it we serve a god that can save us amen no matter how long it takes here's the thing sometimes we want to rush god 
We want God to do it in our timing. But the scripture says that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. One minute is like how much time to him? A thousand, A thousand years. Yeah. I mean, so we want him to do it in our timing. And we have to trust that God's timing is perfect. And we have to remember that God never puts more on us than we're able to bear. He's never going to put more on you than you're able to bear. It may be heavy. It may seem weighted down. But God is there. He never leaves. He never forsakes us. I don't care how heavy the load gets. I'm going to be like, God, you're going to have to help me pull this load because it's getting a little heavy right now. That's when we got to stand on the promises of the word. I told you that the word of God has gotten me through some of the toughest times in my life. I was in a hospital room dying. In a hospital room dying. I was fearful. I was afraid. I had five children. My baby was two weeks old. And I laid in that hospital and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And my husband, when I tell you he's so good, I talked about it in the book. You're going to have to get it and read it. He was at the hospital all night. He'd wake up early in the morning, and he would go to um, the house, get the kids, get them, take a shower, drop them off at school. He'd be back at the hospital, I mean, around the clock, day and night. For two weeks, I was in the hospital. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was dying. But let me tell you what the problem was. My tongue, my confession, as long as my confession was that I was dying, I was dying. You better change your tongue. There is the power of life and death in your tongue. And if you speak death over your situation, that's what you're going to get. And you're going to owe it to yourself. And I laid in that hospital room, and I was dying. I called Aisha. I said, Aisha, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You gonna have, I started telling them stuff in my books and stuff that was written down, the passwords to the bank accounts, this, that, where money was hid at. <laughs> the prophet told on me some years later anyway. I started telling them everything. I told her, I said, Aisha, you might have to come home and help your daddy with the kids. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And one of those mornings when my husband left, it was nobody in that room but me and God. And I started thinking about that thing, and I started praying. And you know what I thought? I started speaking life. It was the word of God that brought me out of that hospital bed. It wasn't the doctors. It wasn't their wisdom. It was the word. I started challenging God in his word. I said, God, you said in your word that by the stripes of Jesus that I'm already healed. I, meant I want my healing to manifest. I told him, you said that in your word that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. It's for your glory. When you raise me up off this bed, I'm going to tell the story of how you healed my body, God. It's for your glory. I said, God, if you want your name to be brought glory, I said, God, don't take me like this. My children can't handle it. I said, God, I've been too faithful in serving you. I've been too faithful to the kingdom of God. I've been too faithful in so I got too many seeds in the ground to leave like this. And I told God, I said, God, heal my body. I started changing my confession. I am healed. I have a, t a text message that come across my phone every day still now. It says, I am the healed woman of God. Sickness always tries to fight my body, but I remind myself every day, I am the healed woman of God. I don't know what the enemy trying to fight you with, but I want you to change your confession. I don't care what happened to you, who dropped you, what happened. Stop, stop stopping on God and allow God to perfect everything inside of you. We got to speak life over our situations. Sometimes we give up on our children too soon. We got to speak life over our children. They ain't perfect. You know why? Because we ain't perfect. They ain't got a perfect parent. He ain't and I ain't either. And so because we're not perfect, we shouldn't expect our children. Should we correct them? Should we raise them in the things of the Lord? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, we need to show them the same grace that God shows us. And I had to learn that the hard way. I had to learn that the, it could have been a different story because I was so hard. It could have been a story where she left. Now, family members, that's what they would speak. They would say, you so hard on her when she leaves, she ain't never coming back. 
Can I tell you I wasn't? I did not plan on coming back. I was graduating from college, and I was looking for job everywhere, graduate school, whatever I could find. I mean, I, I was looking at California, y'all, like whole other side of the United States, okay? And the Lord sat me down one day, and he stopped me, and he told me, you can't leave. He said, you need to help in the church. You need to implement infrastructure in the church. And so I ended up talking to my dad, and he was like, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like what we need right now. <laughs> and the crazy part is, y'all, the drive to Mobile was so easy. I drove to Mobile like, like it was nothing. You know when you're driving, and you don't know how you got there, you just got there. It was like that. Like, it was just like clockwork. I, it, it was common. The, the last time I drove over there, I took my sisters with me. And they stayed the night with me before I moved back home. And I took them to, like, the skating rink. We went and got ice cream and ordered pizza and, and all that stuff. That drive to Mobile was the longest drive of my life. And I knew that my season was up. And I grieved because I loved Mobile. I loved school. I did not want to come back home. I mean, I boo-hoo cried the whole way back because I knew that that season of my life was up. But can I tell you that God has blessed me so much because I stayed in the center of his will. I bought my first house. And the crazy part is sometimes we lose faith in God. We start fearing that it can't happen for us. But I bought my first house at the age of 23. And the week I was getting ready to buy my house, because I had started looking at apartments, like I was just ready to be at my parents' house. I was like, We was ready for you to go too. Whatever it takes. <laughs> God, give me an apartment, give me something. Okay. Ready to be out of the house. And so I had started looking everywhere. I mean, I had found an apartment I liked and everything. And I was like, you know what? Nope, I want a house. I want to get a house. No, I told you, you, was, you ain't get no apartment. You need a house. I uh, said, oh, we don't rent. We, uh, we own. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I started looking at houses with the help of my amazing realtor, Brother Chapman, who now <laughs> has his own brokerage. And we have other realtors, Minister Jamie, Sister Jessica. Sister Casey. Sister Casey. Pooh, I just saw you. Right there, she's an amazing realtor. And so I, our church is elevating, y'all. You better, you better jump on board. Okay. So I was looking for a house. The week of my closing, I found an old notebook. Y'all got spiraled notebooks to the nth degree. Okay. Just happened to locate an old notebook where I had written down the things that I wanted from God. And I told the Lord that I wanted to have my own house before the age of 24. I closed on my house four or five, four days? Mm -hmm. Four days before I turned 24. And it was so encouraging to me that even when I forget the dreams of my heart, God never forgets. And when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart, even when you forget about them. That was so encouraging to me. Amen. Amen. So we're going to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Amen. Our time is almost over. So I want to leave you with some scriptures um, that are going to encourage you on this journey. Amen. Go ahead. Oh, I ain't got them pulled up. Oh, I got them big right here. Okay, they are big. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, y'all know I got bifocal, so I can't see unless I hold my head up because I can only see out the bottom part and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they got to be big. Okay, so the first scripture that she has is Isaiah 41 and 10, and it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. Not just the God of Jacob, y'all. He said, I'm your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Job said in chapter 13, verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. 
Psalms 23 and 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And let me tell y'all, valleys are dark, but we've already told the scripture that the, the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So even when you're in the valley, what you need is the word because it's going to light that valley up for you so that you don't have to fear the evil that is around you. First Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though the going is rough for a while down here, these trials are only to test your faith, to see whether or not it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests gold and purifies it. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried in the test tube of fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day of his return. Psalms 46, 1 through 3 said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters therefore roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, which means let there be peace. Okay. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Joshua 1 and 9 says, and this, this is one of my favorite books of the Bible, y'all, favorite chapter of the Bible. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. One version says anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. First Peter 5 and 10 says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, he will make you perfect. He will establish you. He will strengthen you. And he will settle you. Isaiah 40 and 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Romans 5, 3 and 4 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they're good for us. They help us to learn to be patient. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us to trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. When you leave here today, your journey continues. You have a choice to choose faith. You have a choice to choose fear. Trials are going to come, but I want you to stand strong on your faith in the midst of every trial. Because God is a God who never leaves you and he never forsakes you.